Welcome to a Thai football podcast, a podcast about Thai football, with me, Dale Farrington, and him, Rob Bernard. Here we are with the third episode of a Thai football podcast. On this week's show, we've got a postcard from my co-host Rob telling us what he's been doing on his holidays, an interview with Australian freelance journalist and football fan Pablo Bateson, plus a look at what's caught our eye on the internet this week. So with a lot to pack in, brevity is core for, so it's over to you Rob to get things started. Yes, Dale, many thanks. Yes, we've weaned our way around uh, parts of Thailand down to Sriracha and uh, Bang Sen, Minbury, uh, Cham and Wohin. And then I'm back in Bangkok now. Just an update on the shirts. I think I've counted five or six Buriram, by far the most. Not a great collection of shirts, if I'm honest. One or two uh, Man United or Liverpool, you know, the usual thing. A standout on the Sriracha docks to the gentleman wearing the Palmer 1995 away shirt, which has faded from navy into maroon, probably through uh, working hard out there on the pier. A special mention to the young man in the Buriram shirt who had the nerve to bang the gong three times at the temple, wishing for good luck. Didn't have much afterwards when I tripped him up. Stadium wise, well, seeing the floodlights of the old Sriracha Stadium, I know that's familiar with you, Dale, many memories. Uh, Chow Chen Sao, uh, the 72nd anniversary stadium at Minbury. Wohin City, and I think that's it. Uh, many roads, and we're going up to Sisaket uh, on Wednesday uh, after this, uh, before this podcast goes out. So I'll give you an update at the end of the trip next week. Thanks, Rob. An update there from the man who spends more time on holiday than Judith Chalmers. There's one for the teenagers. Anyway, on with the show. Last week it was my great pleasure to sit down and have a chat with Australian journalist and football fan Pablo Bateson. We talked about his recent visit to Thailand to watch the AFC Under-17s tournament, plus a few general things and his feelings on Thai football. So, without any further ado, here's my interview with Pablo. So, here I am. I've got uh, another guest on the show this week. And I'm very excited to welcome Mr. Pablo Bateson. Now, some of you who are on Twitter will be aware of Pablo. Um, he's an Australian who's very passionate about football in this region. Um, he used to live in Thailand. Now he's back in Australia in the Blue Mountains, just outside Sydney. Um, Pablo's going to tell you a little bit more about himself before we get into our chat. And then we're going to talk about things connected to the local game. So, Pablo, welcome on the show. Hello, uh, Dale, and, and thank you for this opportunity. Um, contrast in weather, I think it's bitterly cold here in the Blue Mountains. 
it's midwinter uh, and a chilling wind uh, compared with obviously Thailand. And we've just had a, a my Thai partner and I have had a trip back to Thailand to for a holiday and to visit her family. Um, but look, I've had a lifelong involvement in football um, as when I was much younger as a player. Uh, and then uh, as I advanced in my years, as we do, uh, I put my directed my passion into uh, fandom and supporting the Socceroos, Australia's national team, the Western Sydney Wanderers, uh, FC Barcelona. And I also got in touch with Thai football from living there uh, six years ago. And I've been back many times since and seen more football. Uh, and then fast forward, just very recently, I caught up. Uh, I, had a, I went to a couple of the games of the AFC Under-17 Championship. Uh, so, yeah, and I've travelled extensively through Asia following the Socceroos. So I went to 47 uh, consecutive World Cup qualifiers of the Socceroos between 2008 and 2017. Uh, I was also at the, the momentous final of the Asian Champions League, second leg between the Wanderers, Western Sydney Wanderers and Al-Halal. We prevail. Uh, a surreal experience. So I love football and I also try to freelance occasional reporting uh, for outlets back in Australia. Oh, that's, that's great. I think 47 consecutive World Cup qualifiers is quite an impressive record. And I don't think there are many people who, who can match that, Pablo. Anyway, we've got you on today, particularly to talk about the recent AFC Under-17 tournament that you attended. I know you were back in Thailand for that. And obviously a bit closer to home for me, uh, you went to at least one match, I think, in at Chonburi Stadium. So your experiences, I mean, what, what was it that first, um, why did you decide to come to watch those games? Well, it was good timing for visiting Kana, my Thai partner's family, uh, just south of Buriram. So we had a wonderful week there. Uh, and then we caught up with other friends in the Bangkok region and we travelled to the north. But the timing was excellent. Um, Kana, my partner, was happy for me to go to a couple of games. And the first one was the opening game for Australia versus Saudi Arabia at the Shamburi Stadium uh, a few weeks ago. Um, and we were already staying in Pattaya, uh, visiting friends. So great timing. Um, and it was uh, quite an experience, an introduction. I'd been to Shamburi Stadium once before. Uh, to see Shamburi FC versus Buriram. Uh, that was towards the end of the season in uh, 2017, I think. Uh, Buriram were the then champions. Uh, but it was uh, quite a contrast, very hot and steamy. Uh, and there were some issues in terms of the fans feeling a, a little bit let down by uh, the Thai FA and the stadium management in just, just provision of water to keep hydrated. Uh, but look, uh, the AFC responded uh, really well for, for the later games in the tournament. Um, it was a disappointing result. Uh, we dominated the first half and we just didn't convert. And then they some silly defensive errors in the second half and Saudi classy side pounced upon it. So it got us on the back foot after that first game. Uh, very hot, sticky conditions, though. Uh, five o'clock kickoff. 
in fact, all of the games that Australia played, including quarterfinal, were 5 p.m. kickoffs. I don't know how that worked out, uh, but it is what it is. Yeah, and it is, as you say, it's, it's very hot at that time of day. I mean, I, I've been to games that have kicked off even earlier and it's it's unbearable sitting watching, so I don't know what it's like for the players. But just going back to what you were saying about the stadium management, I know this is something you were you were quite passionate about and something I was... Obviously, I follow you on social media and there were quite a few issues. Um, we've had problems in the past at Chonbury Stadium with being allowed to take drink and food in. I mean, especially water. I mean, I can understand it if, you know, if there's an alcohol ban and especially with it being an under-17s tournament, there'd be no alcohol anyway. But water, yep. surely that's that's a that's a basic requirement, isn't it? So what what actually, what were the issues? What were the problems you encountered and, and how did you deal with them? Well, I had accreditation for the tournament, but I didn't use that for the first game. So... In the media section, we were provided with cold water and we took it to our workstations and it was comfortable. But then I got direct feedback from a friend and other fans. They weren't allowed to bring in water and water really wasn't being supplied, especially in that first half, to the fans. So it was a double whammy. And then uh, I think they sort of relented a bit, but it meant that the fans actually had to go back out of the stadium with some sort of pass or stamp to purchase water outside the stadium, which is ridiculous. And even some of the Australian embassy staff, senior staff, got caught up in that. So, and meanwhile, a lot of the local stadium officials uh, had water themselves. So the, the ones that were refusing water to be brought in and, and wasn't being supplied had water themselves, which is crazy. Uh, yeah. it, look, potentially it's dangerous. Uh, someone could get uh, too dehydrated and end up uh, a medical emergency. Yeah, it, it does sound a crazy situation. I mean, what I will say is that um, I don't know what the what it's like in Australia, but in Thailand it is quite common for people to to leave the stadium during the game to go outside to buy things. It's I can only think of a couple of grounds actually where you can buy things inside the stadium. Think of most places you have to go out, you know, you get a stamp on your back of your hand and then you are allowed in and out. Um, it certainly doesn't happen yeah. in England. Um, so that's that's something that is quite common. But the, the fact that you weren't allowed to take it in does seem ridiculous to me. Um, we, we've had issues, plenty of issues in the past with with food and drink, like as I've said, in, in Chambry Stadium. But, you, you know, water is is just a basic requirement. Um, yeah. But thankfully, it did it did get sorted. So can, can we just concentrate on any, any positives you had? I'm, I'm keen to know what your impressions were of Chambry Stadium and just the area, really. Obviously, I've got a vested interest in that. <laughs> well, it's a lovely compact stadium and, and access is reasonably easy. I think for a really big crowd, parking would be an issue. Uh, but um, it's a lovely little stadium. Um the surface, not so good. Uh, typical of many Thai football pitches uh, in the Thai league. Um, it was uneven. It was very spongy underneath. It, it cut up. Uh, so, And it didn't help some of our, uh, our players who like fluency, like Urukunda, uh, our dynamic striker, who, who loves to really run at defences. 
Uh, and that took its toll a bit on him, I think, in that game. So really, uh, you know, for that sort of tournament, we need the best quality pitches. Uh, and we got that later at the BG Stadium and Patum Tani, uh, uh, which was really good. But that's a real contrast with, say, the surface at uh, the Thundercastle, Buriram's home ground. Uh, so I think that we need that for international games, but also for the Thai League as well. And then it's better for the players, better football, better for the fans, quite clearly. Uh, generally, though, uh, the people there were very positive in terms of staff and so notwithstanding those issues with the water, uh, the AFC officials were really helpful, personally. Uh, it was very welcoming. It was relaxed. Uh, so, and it's a, it's a lovely location. And of course, afterwards, we went to a, a sports bar uh, within walking distance. And so it's great for post and pre-game meetups as well. So, uh, yeah, enjoyable. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's, that's good to hear. I mean, it, you know, it is, it is well situated. It's just sort of on the edge of the city and there are plenty of places nearby. I think with the, regards to the pitch, I think uh, obviously it's, it's very difficult and very expensive maintaining pitches in, in Thailand. Um, and a lot, what, what I've noticed is that from the stands, a lot of the, a lot of the surfaces look great. You know, they look like built the old billiard tables. Yeah. But when you actually yeah. get on them, you see all the the divots and where it cuts up and how it's uneven. And then you kind of think, well, I can I can forgive the players for some of the the errors they make because it is the surface. Absolutely, made a large yeah, part. yeah, yeah. And I think the Saudis took advantage of that. They adjusted better to us. They they hung in there and then they pounced on a defensive error in the fifty fifth minute, uh, and and we were on the back foot. And then they they got a uh, another goal, and it was just catch up. Uh, but I think we learned from that, and that's why we bounced back in the next two games, uh, and then you know really gave uh, came back at uh, Japan in the quarterfinal in that second half. Um, and if we got to extra time, who knows what might have happened? Uh, but that's football. Uh, so I think uh, the benchmark stadiums I've mentioned, Thundercastle. It'd be oh, wonderful if if all of the Thai uh, stadiums and pitches were of that quality, uh, would help us all. Uh, but that's maybe a bit of a wish list, but that's something on clubs uh, to work for uh, to as well. Um, oh, certainly. Uh, I mean, this this is something we were chatting about. Uh, Jamie, who's a Bori Ram fan, on last week's podcast, and we talked at length about that, about how other clubs need to sort of raise the game um, because Barry Ram have obviously set the standard. I mean, there's there's lots of. I mean, listen back to last week's show, and then if you want to come on again and discuss that, <laughs> you'll be very yeah. very welcome. You'd be very welcome to pop back. But that kind of leads nicely into to your support for Thai football. Um, what experiences have you had watching the domestic game, going to Thai league games while you've been in the country? Uh, well, I've seen. I've seen quite a few Buriram games and not just the Thai League, but also Asian Champions League games. And you recall some years ago how competitive Buriram were. They were matching the lights of Guangzhou and, and, and so on. And um, they, they had a, some really great campaigns. And, and that clearly they were very smart the way they introduced Brazilian imports who you know, were scoring some critical goals in those big games. Uh, 
I think the the standard it it at its best it, it look it's 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 great. Uh, it it it's probably not up there with say the J League, and possibly slightly below the A League. Although the style of play in the A League is different uh, in terms of the tempo uh, and the tactical approaches, um, but. Um, I, I like the fact that uh, you've got a second division as well. Well, we don't have that in Australia. The A-League is trying to develop a second tier and then eventual promotion and relegation. But I think it's a big advantage, you know, to have promotion and relegation. It keeps clubs on their toes. Yeah, some, some have to go down and that's a big disappointment for those clubs, the players and their fans. Uh, but that's, you know, the benchmark for all good leagues around and uh, domestic structures around the world so there's some great quality though and i think that you, we can see that feeding into the thai national teams as well uh at, at uh, youth level under 23s notwithstanding a bit uh, some problems recently uh there but also the senior level and the fact that some of the best thai players end up playing in with big clubs in the j league for example shows how, where the quality is going. And I, and I think with the right sort of structures and maybe new, this new leadership at the top of uh, the Thai Football Association, uh, it can only get better. Um, clearly, financial side of things needs to be sorted out. The TV rights deal, which is upsetting uh, a lot of clubs as well. Uh, but... Uh, Look, I think I think I remain optimistic for Thailand. Uh, I just wish we could get some good Thai talent and younger players to the A League as well. I think we're missing opportunities there because I think the evidence shows that uh, countries that export players to other leagues, their own players, develop them in their own country and then export them, that is much better for their football development and their national teams as well. Uh, um, so, look, I'm looking forward to when I come back to Thailand later in the year to getting to some games, especially in Bangkok. I'd love to see uh, Buriram play Mutong United, those traditional rivals there in Bangkok. I'd love to see Port play and come back down to Shonburi Stadium as well. Um, it's very affordable. I, I think uh, the entry prices are really good generally. Um uh, there are some issues with certain elements of fans, but most countries uh, with football leagues, you know, have have some elements that uh, are up for some a bit of trouble. Um, but I, I think collaboratively uh, we can work together, fans groups, officials, clubs, uh, and and investors and and club owners as well. Oh, that's that's good to hear. It's it's nice to get some positive feedback and somebody who can look at it a bit more objectively. Um, you know, those of us who've who've been involved in Thai football, who you know go week in week out, can sometimes get a bit jaded. I think so. It's always always nice when someone comes in and and looks at it with a fresh eye and and picks up on the positives. But as you say, you know that there are there are still issues. But it's, I mean, when all things considered, it's still a young league. I mean, you know, I I can remember when we got promoted to the, the Thai Premier League back in 2006, it was a very different animal now. And and if you took someone who was watching games then and dropped them into the Thai Premier League now, I think they'd be very impressed. And that's something I think we often overlook 
just how far we've come in such a short period of time. So it's it's good to hear all those those things. Yeah. And um, that's also ref- that's also reflected, Dale, in, in how competitive Thai teams are when they get into the Asian Champions League. It's not just Buriram, Chiang Rai as well, and others. Very competitive, you know, either on the knife edge of getting into the group stage proper or in the group stage really being competitive and nearly getting into the knockout stages. Uh, I think, though, to, to help all of the clubs, the uh, and it has to be an independently run league. It has to be completely detached from the Thai FA. Uh, that's the model all around the world, although the Thai FA could still be responsible or should be for disciplinary matters and uh, coordinating the match officials. But the scheduling, Dale, that's some of it. It's all over the place, and it changes from year to year, and then there are these breaks at crazy times, it seems, and you lose momentum. That's very frustrating. I think they've really got to get some consistency and sort that out together. I think I think that's one thing. <laughs> that's the one thing you'd get all fans of Thai football to agree on. I th- the issue there, and we've we've we haven't got much longer left, I'm afraid. But you obviously okay. um, we've had a, it's been a fascinating discussion. And it's been great to hear your views. The issue there is that the the priority is the Thai national team. It always has been. And everything works around the Thailand national team. Now, that's I think that's a discussion for another day, whether to have a strong league or a Thailand national team, which which leads to the other, which, you know, where best to invest your time and effort. Um, but at the moment in Thailand, the, the national team come above everything else, hence all the breaks and everything. Anyway, we've got a, about a minute left, Pablo. So it's it's been lovely to have you on. Um is there anything you'd like to say to sum up or do you want to talk about the cricket? I don't mind either way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't mind talking about the cricket or even the Tour de France, given that we had a yellow jersey wearer just there the other day. But uh, really, Australia, we uh, disappointing that we didn't qualify for the Under-17 World Cup. Uh, we had a, a good uh, opening to the second half against Japan. They were the eventual winners, but... Look, for Thailand, Thailand football and Australian football to aspire to the next level, look at what Japan has done and is doing at all age groups, men and women. And football starts at home. These programs, these long-term strategies, technic- they're so technically comfortable on the ball, decision-making, awareness around them. That's the benchmark that we should be aspiring to. And if any Asian team is going to win the World Cup, and I think eventually they will, it's not a matter of if, it's when, I think it's going to be Japan. So I think uh, we've got some catching up to do, but uh, let's learn from what's the success in Japan, and then we can all benefit in Thailand and Australia. That's that's good to hear, and, and it's nice to end on a positive note. And I think just just in summing up, we, we do have lots of Thai clubs now do have links with um, clubs in Japan, and obviously we've had players going over there and J- Japanese coaches and players coming coming over here. So hopefully, who knows, five, ten years' time, we could be at the, the same stage the J-League is at now. So thanks, yeah, thanks have... so much. Sorry, Pop. Thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Um, you can go back now. You can get warm, uh, <laughs> get by the fire, have a nice cup of hot chocolate and get ready for the second day of the third test, which I'm looking forward <laughs> to. 
<laughs> yeah, it's it could be on a knife edge until that third or fourth day. <laughs> <laughs> right. So thank you so much, Pablo, and hopefully we'll get to chat again in the future. Okay. Thank you, Dale. Okay. You're welcome. Take care, mate. Bye. Bye. Very enjoyable chat with Pablo. So many thanks to him for taking the time to come on and share his views with us. And for those of you who are interested, the test match that I mentioned towards the end of our conversation, England won to make it 2-1 in the series to Australia with two tests to play. Anyway, that's not really why we're here. So before we go today, just a quick look around at things that have been catching our eye on the internet this week, and there's only really one story we can concentrate on. It's the ongoing saga of the TV broadcasting deal. Now, things kind of came to a head this week when the 16 TPL clubs all got together to have a meeting to discuss a way forward and how to get games shown on TV, on the internet. And a lot of this information I'm going to share with you now came courtesy of Ta Lau on Twitter, who was translating initially um, Bubble Yingrak's tweets. So the first one he said was, Thai League One clubs will most likely have to broadcast their home games via their own official social media platforms for the upcoming 2023-24 season. The Thai League will provide clubs with the broadcast team and technology for each match. However, clubs will have to figure out a platform to broadcast the live feed. So we're kind of looking at YouTube, Facebook, all the usual kind of suspects really. And they will be allowed to charge viewers, but must equally distribute the revenue across the league shared with T2 and T3 teams. So it's quite egalitarian, I guess. Certainly initially, I don't know how this is going to play out. Um, we can just watch and hope, can't we? So they have agreed, anyway, to work together in negotiating a broadcasting deal rather than doing it all separately, streaming matches via their own club social media platform so that is something and they are going to be meeting again to discuss this matter further on the 18th of July. Now one of the prime movers in basically anything involved with Thai football these days and if you were listening to last week's podcast you'd have heard Jamie and myself discussing this gentleman at length. Um, Nguyen Chit Chop who is the owner, chairman, whatever you want to call him over at Buriram United and he's actually said we the Thai League One clubs, have agreed to negotiate as a pack and equally divide the revenue among all teams in order for bigger clubs to help smaller ones. So that's something positive that's come out of all this. Now, obviously this has caused quite a lot of uh, a ripple amongst Thai football fans and people have commented on thread various threads that were on Twitter it was, it was quite difficult to keep up with it really there was such a lot going on but I've picked out a few that I thought were quite pertinent and I'm going to share with you now so JMB91 who's a regular contributor to the Thai football um, Twitter community has just basically said so basically it's up to the clubs to do the job that the football association is supposed to do They've lost all credibility out of this debacle and it's time to get a mighty big broom and sweep every single leader, and he puts leader in inverted commas, out of the building. Absolutely embarrassing for Thai football. Now, Rob, my co-host, even though he's on holiday, took time out to tweet, My one major positive from this obvious mismanagement would be if the league now allowed each club to arrange their own weekend slot and kick off time. Massive opportunity to be grabbed, a bit like Tranmere did in the day with Friday Night Football. 
and I kind of agree with Rob there. You know, it, it would be good if clubs can do it. And we, we did talk about this on the pilot about the scheduling of games so that we maximise TV coverage and we get to see the games that we want to see. Now, there's a couple of dissenting voices. Uh, Sven, Sven Lawrenson, who again is a regular contributor on our Thai Twitter community, said, I'm not going to pay to watch Thai football on Facebook or YouTube. And then Port FC Sandpit, Sandpit followed that up by saying, I can give you a very short list of clubs I will give money to for a stream and slightly longer one of the clubs that I won't, especially when we all know the exact same low quality product can easily be sourced for free. Now again, these people are just speculating as to what platform is going to be used. We're kind of hoping it is going to be on the television, but Facebook and YouTube is probably the way forward, in all honesty. Um, and finally, I'm going to close with something positive. Dennis Gamble chipped in with, there's probably an opportunity to get some English commentary if it's online now, even English translated subtitles in real time. That would really change everything for me. And that's that's a great idea. I think that's one way to come at it. And I think it's the way I'm coming at it is now we're kind of starting from, it's a year zero approach, really. If the clubs are taking this on board, they're taking it in hand, Hopefully they can come up with something that's going to benefit all of them. It's It's gone on too long and clearly things have come to a head. Nothing's ideal. Last season with the AIS deal caused a lot of controversy. People weren't happy with it. So I'm kind of hoping now, and it's probably a naive hope, I'll admit, but I'm kind of hoping that this is going to be the start of something good. I think we're you know all eyes on the, the 18th of July when the next meeting is and we'll see what transpires. I mean, people are going to be talking, obviously, in the next week or so so I'm, I'm feeling quite optimistic and quite quite positive um I've, I've been there before i've been let down so anyway you know we've we've got to we've got to think positive haven't we we have to anyway that's the end of this week's show so thank you for joining us again hope you've enjoyed it if you have please leave a comment like it retweet do whatever you want spread the word we're going to be here every week and obviously we've got lots and lots to talk about lots of guests lined up lots of interesting we hope uh, topics to discuss so that's it for this week see you next friday you have been listening to a thai football podcast a podcast about thai football if you've enjoyed it please leave a comment below you can contact us via our email address and follow us on Twitter. All the information can be found at the bottom of this page.